Hey everybody, welcome to Good Question. This is a show where we answer questions and hope some good comes out of it. What do you think? <laughs> That's good? good. I just thought of that one as like the countdown was going to zero. <laughs> we'll, feel, we'll do a little, consider this like a focus group testing. Welcome everyone, thanks for hanging out with us. I'm Curtis Childs. We have here, everyone want to introduce yourselves? Sure, I'm Cara Dom, line consultant for the New Century Edition. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right, Chris Dunn, community manager. And I'm Chelsea. Odner. <laughs> so you don't you all know me by my first name now? Yeah. It's Chelsea. And, and yes, yeah. you know who I am. <laughs> we do, and you all do because it's written here, but we needed to have that connection here because you, the audience, and us, the people on camera, are going to be interacting this entire time in multiple ways. The very first way is that any of you at any time, for no reason, can like and subscribe what we're doing here. And... If you subscribe, there's two new features we're debuting today in this show. If you subscribe, you will see your name pop up there. The last person literally to subscribe was named Money Money. If you, one of you who are watching who haven't subscribed yet, subscribe, you'll pop up right there. And if you are digging this and want to extend our session, we are introducing a feature today here where if oh, yes. anybody donates to Off the Left Eye, see the link in the, in the description. You'll see that thermometer go up. If we hit $100 from everybody combined, we'll do an extra 15 minutes of Q&A. The only real question is, what if we don't hit that? Will it be awkward or not? I don't think it will, but it will be fun totally if we do will. hit it. Your, and your donation goes to making this possible. This is a nonprofit venture, so it depends on people contributing. Okay, so you'll, and you'll also see your name pop up over there. So thanks in advance, and let's now get to the questions. By the way, if you don't know, down here you can see the chat that's going on. That's where we pull these questions out of. So be in there, be a part of it, ask a question here. So first question is, MTP358, will crime victims who are denied justice in this mm -hmm. life get any justice in the afterlife? Oh, wow. So this is one, isn't this one of the primary arguments people say when they're, how can there be a loving God over mm -hmm. everything? Because life is not fair. And I know that it gets me all riled up when I feel like, look, this, I read some news story that I, you know, that I think I have a sense of who, who was there and what was happening to them. And I feel like this was not fair. This person was treated in this way. Life is not fair. So is there justice and what would that look like yeah. in the life after death? That was my first question. How, how does MTP define a victim getting justice? Well, we got to um, define it. What do you, what do you oh, think? Okay. Well, uh, well, I have to get at what I think he thinks or yes. she. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. What is is MTP male or female? Right. Um, I'm thinking that, as with everybody in the afterlife, they're going to get a fair shake, and life is going to be just what it needs to be for that person. Um, I don't know about whether that the victim will have a chance to confront the what's what's perpetrator it called perpetrator like perpetrator <laughs> yeah uh, it comes back to i guess what we always talk about is that people get together on the other life if there's some use to be served by their getting together um those are my initial thoughts yeah that sets the tone what, what do you guys think yeah in which there in our most recent season so it might have been um what no, I got, I'm trying to think. You, maybe you'll remember which one, but we okay. have uh, an animation in one of our recent shows about, and it might be one that has yet to come out, yeah. about um, Swedenborg describing two different accounts of of um, 
people who were murdered being brought together with the person who murdered them. And, and in the case, it's the murderer who has the hardest time, you know, with the encounter because it brings up, it's so, they're having to really confront what happened. And, um, and then Swedenborg sort of describes the people, the victims, um, having, I mean, in these cases, I mean, there's just so many cases, but in these cases, it was like, uh, you know, that people had, he describes them feeling sort of a sense of peace and not, you know, not having any, um, Vengeance yeah, something. really even, but just, but that even just bringing it together was enough to sort of cause a spiritual work to happen for, for the people who had, um, uh, committed the murder. Yes. So. It's, it's definitely one of those episodes. Uh, which one? I was going to say, oh, it's the one we already put out, but it might actually be the one that's about to come out. Yeah, will life be different, different when, you, when die. you die? That might be I it. I think that's the one, although it just feels like, yeah, this is already out, but it's because we've been yep. lovingly looking over it and yep. remaking it. But it's true that that's very relevant to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chris, do you have any? Um, my major thought as far as justice goes is that I think absolutely, but it's not from God. It's from the perpetrator i mean the perpetrator if that person uh was ultimately an evil kind of person or a selfish person or someone who delighted in causing uh pain and creating victims then they'll have to face that and they'll be attracted to other people who are like them and um, have to exist in a society in hell that kind of that thing happens to them and they can extract that on others so it's but it's not the lord who who's going to be punishing them. It's kind of the evil in and of itself that they embody. That's right. And like Swedenborg describes how evil carries its own punishment. Mm. And so even again, in this situation, it's, it's attached to the person who perpetrated it and the crime victims, they may, you know, that would be, would be their own spiritual process of like how to make peace with what happened, but it might not necessarily be, um, you know, uh, like that the crime victim necessarily has to, approach or have some connection with whoever perpetrated the crime to to know that that is getting dealt with or something yeah it's interesting um there he is he hi mpp 358 oh robbery right he was referring to a robbery yeah so okay well no that's gonna ruin my response i'm just kidding (laughs) Um, uh so one thing that's interesting is uh it seems like when when people go to the other life, their perspective on what is important and what they need changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and our perspective, you know, if we think about is life fair or not fair, taking into account if it really is an eternal thing and there's the, the permanent happiness of heaven changes what we feel like is, is fair or isn't fair. So it, you're absolutely right, Chelsea, that in those upcoming shows, the people who have had crimes committed against them are just very... Um, barely interested even in mm-hmm. the idea of the resolution of the situation because they, as one of the, the victims says, which is an amazing statement, he says, well, it was Providence and, and, and maybe I would have gone on to do something terrible in life or something, which is, yeah. oh. you, you only hear that attitude. He was just totally not shaken, but the person who had committed it, as Chris was alluding to, is really worked up about it and, and can't get away from this evil that kind of carries its own punishment. We did a show way, way back in the day called What Happens with Unsolved Crimes in the Afterlife. Oh, yeah. This is super I'm... early. Don't go watch it. Probably the, the clothes <laughs> and the hair are no good. <laughs> Back way back <laughs> millions of decades ago, um, but I remember somebody commenting uh, on that who who didn't think 
we knew what we were talking about, and they're just like, oh, they're just making stuff up, oh, unsolved crimes. This is something people would wonder about. We have proof positive mm-hmm. of it right here that if we are really, if you're adding not just that there's another stage to existence, but that existence is good, there's got to be some kind of resolution. But yeah, it doesn't mean that, right. at, you know, you, you as a victim of a crime then have to go and, okay, confront the person and, and make sure, it sounds like everybody's well taken care of uh, throughout the process. Um, and so when the robbery happened that, that um, MTP is talking about, in the moment, somebody lost something, somebody felt like they gained something, but what was really going on there? What are the lasting effects? In the next life, the people involved in that, it could be the person who stole, you know, they, that, that evil or that lack of goodness is attached to them, and they've actually lost something through it. Um, and hopefully they have a, a sense of, Okay, I've got to try to cast this off, but they're going to have to do work. And maybe the person who had that happen to them suffered for a while on earth, but it brought some kind of spiritual quality where it's not as, as unfair as it seems. So Yeah. That's nice. great. Hey. We could go on and Tacitus. on about this yeah. one, I feel like. But <laughs> Tacitus, subscribe. Thank you so much. Yay, Tacitus. Hey, Jonathan Childs Jonathan gave Childs. us a donation. Thanks so much. And... If you're worried that we might go an extra 15 minutes, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Because you can't. We should introduce a feature where you can donate to bring the thermometer back down. Yeah, <laughs> and if it goes to, to negative 45, we stop at half an hour. Yeah, okay, let's do early. the next <laughs> question. Uh, this one is going to be from. Dun, dun, dun. Drum roll, please. Mm-hmm. Not MDP. Ah, there we go. Matthew Bush. <laughs> is doing something good because you want to go to heaven a bad thing, or can it be? So if heaven is a state of mind that is, I love I, what I really love is usefulness, and I'm, my, myself is not the no longer the idol that sits over all of life. Um, how do you get around this? So yeah, I, I I learned that there's heaven, but I got to not think about heaven. Well, how do you sort out this kind of uh, motives uh, when we're when we're dealing with uh, something like we're supposed to try to be better, but can you can you have this be a legit rung on the ladder to to grab? Yeah, I do think there's like um, one way Swedenborg describes it. um, He relates it to a story in the Bible about um, Jacob being with his father-in-law Laban for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that story, I'm blanking on the details, but the takeaway is the fact (laughs) that um, there's uh, something that Swedenborg calls mediate goods. I don't know what the how you would translate that now in the NC or yeah, if it's still yeah, intermediary or something. Intermediary. I, 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 yeah. Just sort of something in the middle that make a bridge. Yeah. Kind of basically mm-hmm. like that. It's essential for us to do good things because we want a reward for it in order for us to grow spiritually, because we just can't not to get to the point where we actually start to want the good thing just because it's good. So like, that's an essential phase that we go through because otherwise like, cause we're just inevitably going to have, you know, selfish aims, like, oh, there's heaven, I want to go to heaven, so I'm going to do these good things. So in that case, um, it's not a bad thing, because it just is like an essential phase that you go through, even, and so we can eat, like, especially when you're like in the, um, you know, adolescence of your spiritual life or something, like awkward growth spurts, where part of you (laughs) knows that you're doing it just because, you know, you're going to get something good out of it, but that's actually helping to pull this other part of you along that really would resist otherwise even giving you the time of day um, to do something like that. So, uh, so that's part of that, but, but I guess it could be a bad thing. I don't know. No, I I like it. It 
It um well in newsflash in the meantime Tacitus says that he unsubscribes and then resubscribes <laughs> so that does work. Anyone who wants to do that, you can do good that. Good work. Um, hack the system. So you have yeah. to play the system. Uh, but we appreciate good. it. We appreciate it very much. We're sorry we lost you there for a second. Was it something we said? Um, what you were talking about, Chelsea, reminds me of the manna and the quail. That mm-hmm. when the children of Israel, this is a correspondence to the biblical story, children of Israel are going through the wilderness and there's um, manna in the morning and quail in the evening, right? Yeah, and like that. that that corresponds to as I as I remember it, as I can misremember it right now, the the That's manna, more detail than I got out of the Jacob is leaving. Like nothing to go the, on there. The manna in the morning is like when the morning state is heaven. Like when we are really in a heavenly sort of state, yeah. then we can live off these really pure, great motives. But in the evening state, which is when we're more in our outer natural self, they had to have the quail. And mm-hmm. so I think of, yeah. yeah, there's times when I'm just, I want to be good because I can understand what it means to anybody that I'm interacting with. But to think that I'm going to go from being me today to wanting what's only good for non-selfish reasons all the time, no way. Mm-hmm. No way. There's yeah. going to be times when I need some kind of motive. And there's a story that Swedenborg tells about a group of people who had been um, cruel to people that they lived with. And they are shown, like, look, when people get along, look how nice the houses are that they get to have and all this sort of stuff. And they're like, oh, okay. And that was actually the first step in their journey. And they ended up getting good. So I, I certainly seem to see evidence in Swedenborg of the immediate good, which mm-hmm. I'm glad you, I've got to start a yeah. band called Mediate Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm so glad you brought up that, um, the quail thing. Cause when I was doing that part of the translation of Seekers of Heaven, I was blown away by how merciful that was and how, human like accommodating to the way human beings are it's a very powerful section yeah. if you want to go dig through seekers of heaven and find that uh find her the handiwork p- the part about <laughs> the quails it is yeah. it is powerful That's and so also cool. my other thought is that when you do something good you get a little taste of heaven so you're nice. you're getting yourself there in the moment you're getting yourself in that heavenly mindset right in the very action of doing something good. So that seems like it's going to counterbalance whatever cloudy motivations you might have or something like that. Or it just, it's part of the magnet. Like once you do something good, the magnetism of goodness and heavenliness pulls you a little farther forward, you know, something like that. Yeah, definitely. And it evolves with what you're... I know it should be Chris's turn, but I just have the best thing to say in the world. Um, it evolves with, with your picture of what heaven is, right? I, I think that initially it can seem like, okay, well, heaven is just, you know, uh, happiness for myself, you, having nice things, and so I can... But as you more, more understand viscerally what the experience of heaven is, then the motives can, can grow alongside mm. it. I feel like it's yeah, very yeah. much set up to be this gradual stepping stone process. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say... Uh, Matthew, I totally appreciate this question because from uh, someone who has just five years into Swedenborg, I know that there is such a remarkable image of heaven that's portrayed. It's something that's super detailed and it shines and this like level of beauty and depth. I think a lot of other sacred texts, at least that I've encountered, have not gone into that level of detail. And what you find is just like this amazing framework for living. Um, so why wouldn't you want that? You know, it just seems like this really big draw. Um, and when I've encountered that kind of thought myself, I think, what does heaven stand for? And how do I align my intentions with what that is? You know, like, what about what does that mean for 
for usefulness? Like, what does it mean for having the right motivations and then letting your behavior follow that? So if yeah. you want to be into heaven, just think about what that means and start to embody those things. That's great. I do I w- want to end it on the note that I feel like there's a couple of places where I found in Swedenborg where he seems to, to um, be a little bit lax about us sort of trying to get a magnifying glass over our motivations. That it's very tough to know mm-hmm. exactly what we're coming what we're coming from and everything. And you can endlessly second guess yourself. You know, if in general there's the, the guiding light that we should try to be better. Um, he even says that we don't really know exactly why mm-hmm. we do something. So we don't, that, that sort of relieves me of the stress of like, is this for just the right reasons? Go, yeah. try, be, doing something good because you want to go to heaven is way better than doing something bad because you don't care. So we're already <laughs> yeah. like, we're already, you know, if I can get one of the, those, try, oh. Well, there's so many other bad reasons to do something good. Yeah. And then to want to go to heaven. Yeah. He even says at times that, you know, you, you have to think about your eternal life when you're yeah. acting, that that is actually a spiritual thing. So Yeah, like a useful, yeah, framework to think about. Yeah. So in conclusion, yeah, uh, it's good. If it's you're fun. doing anything, you're giving God something to work with. That's right. You yeah. know. That's absolutely <laughs> right. Cool. All right. Thanks, Matthew Bush. Hey, we're a quarter of the way through our show and we're a quarter of the way of our thermometer so it's like nobody knows right now and if you're just joining <laughs> just us and you're not subscribed <laughs> I, I, I guess like probably a lot of people tuning into this show are subscribed already but if you're not subscribed subscribe and you can unseat tacitus although we would be happy to have him there for the whole show let's take a look at our next question jay norris hey jay what did swedenborg say about people who believe in jesus but also have others they pray to Native Americans have spirits who help them. Person was being hateful to my wife about this. Mm. Thanks. Okay, let's see if we can't make some progress because mm-hmm. uh, on this idea that can make people hateful. You definitely hear of people who who are trying to say, "Look, there's only one way," and they're sure about it, and they can cause problems. So, what about people who believe in Jesus but also have others that they pray to? I don't. Is that ever mentioned? Specifically, I know, I say, what does Swedenborg say about it? I, yeah. I have a, a, a starting point for us. Yeah, um, I've, yeah another thought too. But um, I don't know if I know of uh, him talking about people who believe in Jesus and have others that they pray to. Uh, he definitely talks about people that he meets of all kinds of religions, some even on other planets. And <laughs> there are people who are doing practices that even some spirits around Swedenborg say, wasn't that idolatry? Yeah, look, yeah, this person right. has a little car. There's a one particular story I'm thinking of. This person has a, a carved figurine, and they're doing some kind of yes. prayers to it. And the spirits around Swedenborg are like, well, look, look at that. That's that's idolatry. And Swedenborg is a- able through the perception of heaven to see that the, the reverence that that um, person is feeling when they use that statue is absolutely compatible with worshiping the Lord. And that actually that person is more in tune with that than a lot of the the Christian leaders that, that Swedenborg knew. So there certainly is room to um, have, it seems like almost any spiritual tradition to, can have just a beautiful heart to it that is absolutely right. compatible with, with, that, with everything. Or what Swedenborg would call like genuine worship, you That's know, right. like mm. the internal is, is mm. rightly aligned, no yeah. matter what the external, you know, form of it is. Um, yeah, I guess... Something, uh, I mean, Swedenborg is just so upfront that we're always communicating with spirits or like having some sort of association with spirits that like, uh, 
there's such an interesting, um, you know, we, we've had, there have been some interesting discussions on our channel about the nature of prayer and yeah. praying for others. And is, does prayer do anything when you're, um, and like intermediary prayer or whatever that practice is called. Is That's that, what is it that is. Right? Yep. Okay. Um, and, uh, and that all seems good. Like it can all be for good. And, um, so yeah, I feel like that's probably fine. Yeah. There you go. There's, there's our stamp of approval on it. Yeah. And it's, it's why, why are we, why are we doing it? And, and I would say, you know, the way Swedenborg sees it. Yeah. We, we don't receive anything good except for from the Lord, but you don't receive anything from the Lord except for through heaven and the spiritual world. I mean, you, there's some stuff that seems like it's direct, which is the ability to be rational mm-hmm. and, and live. But, all the goodness and truth came through God, through angels in heaven, through spirits who are with us. So the idea of having spirits who help, everybody's got spirits that help them, as as you are saying. Yeah. And I think what brings it more and more into alignment with the way Swedenborg describes things is the more that you, you're interacting with those spirits and the spirits themselves know, look, we're just, you know, it's really all the Lord's goodness, which is what all good right. spirits are eager to say. Right. Not that they don't do a lot of cool stuff, but they're always saying, look, this is... This is from the Lord, so right. that, and that a- change like, is there. Like angels, he says, are the are the spiritual beings that are able to be aware of us. You know, they know that they're helping us. You know, and yeah. But so it's in, but they don't want to be acknowledged or given. You know, have that credit or whatever for doing the work. They know they're just being servants. You know, to the Lord and supporting us or whatever. And so it's like, but they are totally a um, support system that we have. So to pray for help it's like would you call up a friend if you're having a hard time like yeah Yeah. you would like Mm -hmm. i would it's important to reach out to people so it's like you're reaching out to your network even if it's you know having yeah yeah Yeah. calling on spiritual support yeah yeah i I mean i was so i was a catholic before i found swedenborg and you know there's with the catholic system there's saints and uh, networks of saints that you pray to for certain reasons and um they're supposed to intercede your prayers um and when I came into contact with Swedenborg, he helped me to understand that dynamic a little bit better. And mm-hmm. it really is like, like the power is in the Lord, and he his love is desiring a constant relationship, direct relationship with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't. It's not like you need intermediaries to connect with God, but it's good to have people that you can just talk to and pray to that are there to, you know, whose life models something that you want to live by. Or like when I was thinking about saints, it was people that just were good people that led lives that I wanted to try to emulate. Mm-hmm. And thinking about them in, in, a, in prayer and knowing that the Lord's love is what I could still have a direct connection to, that was that's, was a helpful way to hold it. Um, right. Yeah. It's the Lord, right. The Lord is that life yeah. energy that is going on. And understanding that, yeah. Yeah. We did a show a long time ago called Angels After Terrorism, where we interviewed this couple, Conrad and Paolo, who had lost their son in a terror attack in Nice, France. And um, they talked about all kinds of ways that their belief in the afterlife had helped them after that. And one thing is that, you know, the, the Conrad was saying um, w- when he needed some help, he would, he would ask his son, Nick, 
you know, give me give me some help. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the, a single fiber in my body, even as a total Swedenborgian, that was like, well, you shouldn't have asked Nick. You yeah, said, that's like, right. right. Obviously, you, you love your, your child. He's there. It just seems like, of course, of course there's mm-hmm. a connection there. And how, how, how better a way for the Lord to, to reach Conrad than, than through the love that, that, that Nick has for him. So, yeah. 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 Right. yeah, someone just asked me that a couple of weeks ago, a, a new new person to Swedenborg said, well, I guess you shouldn't pray to angels, right? And I said, heck, I do. And then I realized, hmm, praying to angels. But I definitely, like, am invoking angels all the time, <laughs> calling on angels. What's the difference? I'm just saying, help me out here. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a tough spot. I need some help. Yeah. Um, but that's not all that different from how I pray to God. So. <laughs> yeah. but, but, like, you're talking about spiritual networks. Yeah. So... I just want to say, I saw somebody in the chat saying, wait, what do yes. you mean subscribe? There's there's a little button. It's a YouTube subscription. And, and probably a lot of you already have it, but you click it right below this video somewhere. And it just makes it so that whenever you release a new video, you know it. And if you are subscribed, but you don't get notifications for our video, click that little subscription mm-hmm. button or maybe hover over it. There's a little bell below it. Click the bell. That means you'll get a notification every time we yeah, put something out it, yeah. that's super really good okay thanks very much let's take a look at another question appreciate it jay the next one is from kendall m could all evil and falsity be defined as simply the reverse perverted forms of goodness and truth what is the origin of evil falsity if the lord is love and wisdom nice that's two questions but they're both awesome yeah so what do you guys think yeah how how are we going to get the lord's doing everything and from from whence evil, right? As it was famously put, and it just is weird. Evil is this weird thing when you start to follow it down into what it is and see it depicted. Like, what is the essence of this? What do you think? I feel like Swedenborg has a very cool, relevant commentary on this. Totally. Yeah, man. Yeah, he describes like the uh, you know structure of heaven, and then there's a world of spirits in between and hell, and he describes like a perfect um, symmetry between them almost. That for every form of goodness and truth, there's a corresponding hell that has evil and falsity within it. So there's an interesting parallel going on there. Um, and, and he does even describe evil and falsity as just that perverted forms of goodness and truth that goodness is, if you think of it less of like two different substances, goodness and evil, it's like goodness is the real energy. And then when it gets twisted or used to selfish motives, then, then it becomes evil in its use. So that's how, so in terms of, what's the origin it's us receiving this life from the lord and then we're the the turning point that decides how is it going to be used from us and so if we use that in an evil direction in a harmful way then that um that becomes the origin of evil in that moment but it was it's from the it's still love from the lord that Mm. we've then um twisted yeah yeah awesome before we go to the next one jeremy dowell in the uh oh john charles has already got it there's a link in the description below if you want to support the programming thanks for asking the question yeah oh yeah nice thanks james appreciate it um i'll take the second one um yeah just to throw in i remember being fascinated by swedenborg's reporting of like the earliest people and how they existed um in like this remarkable partnership with the lord and they knew that their life was kind of like tied to the Lord's love and wisdom flowing into them. And um, and uh, successively over a long period of time, uh, evil came about from the desire to distance oneself from God, to become independent from 
him maybe taking credit for things that happened to you, whereas that really belongs to like the Lord who is the source of all good. Mm. Um, so it's the desire to become distance from God. Angels even mm. go through that state at times when we just talked about uh, uh, evening states and yeah. morning states and um, people feel, angels feel to the degree that they're closer to God or the, they're feeling associated with God, it's a morning state. And as they feel more distanced from God through the, maybe uh, uh, maybe like small little bits of selfishness that pop up, yeah. um, it brings about a different kind of state. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's great. Sorry, we don't usually do this, okay. but I want to talk about just for a second that previous question because um, the evening and morning states, there's always day and night. There's always day and night. So even I was saying before that, oh, how can I in my current state always want to do things for just perfect motives versus even angels. You get to the point you have phases where you're doing things just yeah. exactly as very close to the reason God does them. But you're always going to have states where you need a little more self in it. Even angels, he talks about them doing good, but having a little more self in it, that that's their low point, though. That's the difference between them and us. So just saying, it's, yeah. it's going to happen. Have, you know, d- there's not these Puritan expectations uh, for it. It's mm-hmm. such a phenomenal, I mean, it's just like so interesting because you have the Lord that Swedenborg describes as being like the human or like selfhood, like with a capital S, like just the autonomous one, you know, mm-hmm. is like the Lord. But then the Lord wants to create these people that can... Um, receive the Lord's love to be like a fulfillment of that desire to give all of that goodness that he has to others. And so, but our own little sense of self that needs to exist is the thing that then can make the choice to turn away. Mm-hmm. Be like, I don't want to be led by this love. I want to be more and more the own my own driver of like what I want. But we have to come to the realization that we can't live of ourselves and we don't live of ourselves. And so yeah. that's how we then can turn back towards the Lord and and rectify the situation, you know, come into alignment. Um, mm. And so it's just so interesting to think about. We did, I, the, there's an episode on our channel called The Infinite in You, and that was sort of trying to encapsulate some of these ideas of that, this like fascinating dynamic between mm. our little sense of self and the Lord and this relationship mm. and how evil then is sort of just this byproduct <laughs> that happens. Sure. <laughs> that's worth it, you yeah. know, to God. Right. <laughs> to be like, well... I know this is going to happen, but it's going to be good in the end. Totally. Mm. Yeah. Um, Clara. Um, I think you guys covered it. Uh, okay. Then I'll end it by trying to say something as weird as possible. <laughs> Thanks very much, Sean Smith. Appreciate it. Um, this, we're all goodness and truth and all evil and falsity. Like rocks aren't doing good or evil. Streams aren't doing good or evil. This all comes out of people and specifically people's minds yeah. mm-hmm. and Swedenborg says don't don't click away that <laughs> that your spirit just like your brain is organized organized matter so it's organized spiritual matter so just like you have certain neural connection things here your spirit has these little forms that are either recept- receptive of goodness and truth and they're, yeah. they're cer- somehow there's some kind of shape that they can be oriented in a certain way yeah, yeah, and he says yeah, that yeah. that that actually literally an impulse to do good can you can see, find it in a shape in your brain's work. Yes, and it changes evil, it turns things the other direction. Evil and falsity <laughs> is just like that funnel or whatever it is reversed. Yeah. Like if you looked at evil and falsity in a microscopic level or in a mind that leads to the acts, it's reversed somehow it's actually or as we put or another hardened show, or something like spiraling it, the other way. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Giant. That it yes. actually is just yeah it's a system that reroutes goodness and truth into the opposite direction so that is 
absolutely simply the reverse perverted form of goodness and truth. And as Chelsea was mentioning, there is a heavenly community that stands directly in opposition to every hellish community. And often, if we're talking about justice and fairness, often don't you find that people who have been harmed by some kind of evil really start to be part of the force to eradicate that evil uh, mm -hmm. from the world. Mm. That what, when people mm -hmm. have been a victim of something, they're the ones who start making speeches and starting company and really understanding what it is that's evil about mm -hmm. that thing. Yeah, and that's something Swedenborg says. It's like one of the greatest you know, powers that the Lord has is to turn everything evil into some good. And that's not to say that calling what is evil good, because that's not what it is, yeah. but that it, it forces the evil to work toward goodness. And again, upping the weirdness bar, yes. I'll take your weirdness and I'll, <laughs> raise, I'll raise you one. But, you gotta have a um, weirdness bar on that side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he describes witnessing these spirits on Jupiter. Um, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Presenting in representation, so like visual forms to his mind, the awesome way that the Lord takes something evil and turns it into something good. And he kind of describes it in this weird way, like you're describing sort of forms of the brain. But just like he, he, he can't even put detail to the representation that he's witnessing, but he says it was so amazing yeah. to see how simply and perfectly these spirits represented to him the way that the Lord turns evil into good. Mm. So it's happening. Yeah. No, and <laughs> there's two two important things about that. First of all, thank you, Jeremy Dowell, for your donation. Mm -hmm. Much appreciated. Mm -hmm. And Ooh, we are so we're sitting here trying to quickly and off the cuff verbally describe these processes that are really complex and really elaborate. Like you're mentioning that to, to even something like okay, we can express it verbally. God turns evil into good eventually. But what it actually is, is almost ineffable. He was being shown this spiritual mental image. So, yeah. so don't come here and say, well, that answer was a little bit not, per not perfect enough, so I'm out. <laughs> but use it as a stepping stone. And, and really, the Good only point. way we, we get the satisfying answer is the concepts are in the mind, and then you get enlightenment about it, because that's having right. can kind of shine into that. So just Keep covering ourselves it. here. Okay, <laughs> we're halfway through. Let's take a little break. Um, we and we, we've appreciated donations that come in. This is a little bit of a, a why that they, they matter to us and, and how you supporting us keeps us going. We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. As a nonprofit, we depend on donor support to continue to create high quality programming. Any gift you give joins you to the central network of people in the world who make our work possible. You can deepen the significance of your gift by making it in memory or honor of someone special in your life. This could be done as a one-time gift, recurring monthly, or run as a special fundraiser for your circle of friends and family. Go to otle.causevox.com and follow the prompts to make a gift in whatever way is most meaningful for you. Your support helps the ideas in our content reach and nourish thousands of people every day around the globe. We couldn't do it without you. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through in this way, in the end, everybody wins. Okay, everybody, 
Welcome back. That was great. Thank you so much for your support. Hey, while we were in there, Gloria donated. Thanks so much, yeah, Gloria. Wow, everybody really so appreciate it. Oh, it looks like I was there. just saying, I'm really nervous. We might actually have to do 15 <laughs> more minutes. We haven't prepared for those minutes. All right, let's take a look at what <laughs> our next still questions. <laughs> let's take a look at what our next question is. This is from Matt Klein. Hey, Matt, good to hear from you. Swedenborg talks about regeneration, but also mentions that aspects of ourselves that existing when we die continue as permanent parts of us that can never be changed. Mm-hmm. How do we grow? and improve in heaven what are yeah. we doing we're, we're going around saying like we're, we're going to be reborn and then there's also the stuff in Swedenborg that is saying where the tree falls it lies so it lies right so which is it can we just decide that here or is it maybe a little bit of both what do you think Cara I think it's a little bit of both like a lot of Swedenborg has a little bit of both that's what I love about it <laughs> yeah the, you, and it's you like, can't sit too comfortably in any one answer that's right and, <laughs> yeah. and even like it's it's like the, the religiousness and yet the um, sort of openness of it. And there's the love, but also the structure. There's just so many meeting mm-hmm. places here. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, after this, when we die, continue to promote that can never be changed. Well, it's not a very deep thought, but if heaven <laughs> is eternal, what else is there to do but grow? Yeah. Like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> as something static doesn't live that long. Yes. So, um, and, and Swedenborg talks about how we're continually, continually getting closer and closer to God and refining our loves and all that kind of stuff. So I have to say, I don't, I, I, yeah, except the two-ness of it. I'm not quite sure how it is that parts of us stay and can never be changed. But also he talks about how when we die, a lot of things of this earth are just shed, hmm. just like worldly concerns that we have to, because living in this world demands a lot of stuff that is no longer applicable in the spiritual world. He says a lot of stuff just gets shed when we die so that we have our our spirit itself to deal with. So I don't understand that. Good question. Yeah. I just know he talks yes. about two different approaches. I, I do think there's something to like, um well okay two different ideas one is like we are all each uniquely created beings Mm -hmm. you know so we are meant to be we're never not going to be ourselves you know and yet we can continue to infinitely grow within who we are you know Mm -hmm. like the lord can sort of foresee the infinite potential for growth although i'm never not going to be chelsea Mm -hmm. and and have chelsea that had the particular earth life that i've that i'm having which is beautifully suited for the lord to infinitely you know grow love and wisdom from based on whatever my you know external life was like um and and so something Swedenborg says which is like anybody could say this but that interesting that he's making this claim back in the 1700s but that when you look more and more closely at something it's not that it gets more and more simple it gets more and more complex Mm -hmm. or like more and more there's the smaller the thing that you're the area that you're looking at is actually like the more infinite it becomes Mm -hmm. and so there's something to that paradox happening with us that we are there are permanent parts of us that never change and yet that doesn't preclude the opportunity for infinite growth Mm -hmm. and development um yeah that's wonderful good chris do you have any further thoughts well i just remember being really kind of like a awoken by reading that any evil that we do or any selfish thing 
doesn't uh, disappear. It kind of like sticks with us. That was mm-hmm. first initially. I was like, "Holy crap, I'm screwed." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but what happens as you continue to read Swedenborg is that you know if we're if we're generally trying to be good people, those things while they never go away, they acquiesce. To, uh, they they just basically are quieted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the afterlife, uh, you might have those things as permanent parts of you, but they're dormant. And they, they they might come out in little bits here and there, but the reality is, uh, you it will not stop you from being the kind of person who you desire to be, if if that's a good person or a bad person. Yeah, awesome. And thanks, Keith Curry. We met our um, goal, you guys. So oh, we're, goal met. We're in this for another Woo-hoo. fifteen minutes, and suddenly everyone's like, "What have we done?" <laughs> <laughs> One other thought with along mm. with Matt's thing um, was like, uh, we need that balance you know the whole idea of angels going through different states but like it's what the balance between their being in their self and being more open to who they are in the lord that actually becomes this like um uh i keep going like this because i'm thinking of like a teeter-totter or something like becomes this this muscle like this lever for for movement like going down a track or something like that like you need that back and forth to happen in order to grow so you can't so those um, aspects of ourselves that uh, can never change, like the evils we've done and the things that have happened to us, like that becomes this important balancing thing to help for propel us in our spiritual life, life rather than um, you know deter it or something. Mm. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I want to th- I want to throw a potential correspondence at it because this is not something Swedenborg describes, but when he's big on microcosm, macrocosm, that that large yeah. thing can represent everything else that, that's smaller. And so think about planet Earth. And it's just kind of casual for us to hear, oh, the reason why the Pennsylvania hills are like this is because they used to be an ocean 400 million years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's not an ocean now, but you can go and see fossils of what was there. And the limestone yeah. that was built up is now part of the, the soil and why certain trees grow there. So if we have stuff in us that at mm. one time was alive and walking the earth, mm. but let's say it gets made dormant, right? Mm. And it's it's never going away, but it's totally different. Now it's some cave <laughs> that's hollowed out and the new things are living in, right? It's something like that, right? That's it's awesome. it's wow. something good, yeah, right? So we're the ecosystem. Well, I just like the idea of the progression of, of life on earth is so enchanting, right? And so something like that's probably happening in us. The stuff that was living on us, hundreds of millions of years ago it's there but it's actually Make providing the fossil records but it's, yeah it's not going to come out and get us right yeah. it's it's providing the it's and actually the beautiful springs i'm thinking of them happening in florida but they happen all over where you just get this amazingly mm-hmm. crystal clear water mm-hmm. that comes because there's all these limestone caves in there that were this life uh, uh, so long ago and it's through that Thing is limestone through that aquifer, you get this amazing truth that couldn't be there without it. Mm. So it's mm. got to be something cool like that. Mm. Did you just mm-hmm. think about? Did you just think that? Up? Yeah, yes, just now. Gotta be That's kidding awesome. me. That's pretty good. We should make a video about <laughs> this. Yeah. Okay, so thanks so much, Matt. Earth thank- correspondence video. Oh, and thank you, Kendall. All right, we keep on yeah, marching Kendall. forward. Appreciate it, everyone. All right, let's let's do the next uh, question. So, this is Norman Van Etten. Ooh. Are angels Ooh. and the Holy Spirit the same? Ooh. 
Well, I don't. Usually, I provide some useful service as host of explaining <laughs> the question. Um, I'm sort of feeling like my job has been replaced by machines. Um, with, uh, angels and the Holy Spirit. How does Swedenborg mm. describe what those things are? Um, as far as you guys know. Mm. Well, I mean, I guess they're not the same. Yeah. But that, like, that we that the Holy Spirit is in angels. Yeah. And and in us too. Yeah. So what, what is Holy Spirit? Do you uh, the oh, way I think of the Holy Spirit is um, God's effect in the world, like um, the, the outpouring of divine love and wisdom to everybody. Yeah. And so angels receive that, as do all, all of us, because angels are just former people. Right. Um, and the other thought I had about that is escaping me. Well, the thought you just gave, <laughs> you tossed it over my way, is yeah. just that, um, you know, Swedenborg describes angels and humans as um, gems or like prisms, you know, like being able to transmit light. And so that really is just a great analogy for what the Holy Spirit is, that you've got light coming in, mm -hmm. but it needs this medium to move through. And it's still the light that's coming out on the other side, but... Now it's got some color to it or whatever. Hmm. And the, what I was thinking of was there's a quote in Swedenborg somewhere that says, because God cannot, like, pat yeah. Curtis on the back directly, no, he, want to, right? <laughs> he works through other people to do so. So in that way, we're all, um, yeah, we're all sort of vehicles of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit, yeah, yeah. for sure. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Is divine proceeding, is that... The yeah. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay, that's one way that it's it's yes. been said. So this is like the effect. This is God accomplishing things. So yeah, a, an angel. Yeah, technically is a, a finite vessel that receives that Holy Spirit. But right. if the, if we can't move a step without the power of heaven, and that it's really what's doing the do. I mean, they're definitely ambassadors. Right. For it, mm -hmm. Chris. Do you have any further thoughts? No, I mean that's basically yeah. the what I would say. Yeah, yeah and, and like the one sort of point that Swedenborg really underscores um, in his work, True Christianity, especially where he talks about the Trinity, is just like, we, there's just this essential part of us that is the the pivot, you know, like the choice to, to use the Holy Spirit that's flowing into us in whatever way we want to. And so like, it's, it's always, um, we, we act of our own volition on behalf of the Lord, like that's just essential. So it is the Holy Spirit, but it's not just the Holy Spirit moving straight through us because that would override this essential part of us that is to have that sense of agency. You did some awesome, or, or the sort of the driving force behind writing some awesome deep dive into like on its own initiative on behalf yes, of- Yes, that's what the show, one. What show was it? Probably in um, How to Understand the Trinity. Was that in the Understand I the Trinity? I think so, yeah. Go check out that show. It's a, it's a classic. Okay, <laughs> thanks so much, Norman. Let's, uh, let's take a look at another one. Uh, this one is from Daffodil. Hi, Daffodil. <laughs> Will our loved ones who have already passed over know when we have died? Did you get a notification? Yeah. I think they, they do, if they right? they the bell. Then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. 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 All your family members are subscribed to so, your life. Right. <laughs> um, Tacitus says, I would pat Curtis on the back after beating him at basketball. Right. Nice. So he's probably referencing that I think one time on the show. I want show, tickets to that game. I told this story of how I've never won a basketball game 
an organized basketball game in my life despite playing three seasons. You told that on the air? I hope I did. I just, did I? Oh, no. Okay, so. All right, so do, do they know? Um, and can we count on, on being surrounded by people who... Yeah, or or how do we do we go and put an ad out like I've died if anyone knew me during life so what, what do you guys think I mean I don't I mean yes I think that like experience now I sound like Swedenborg like experience makes plain that this happens because I feel like for so many people yeah. who are nearing the end they just seem surrounded or in often many times they can be looking around at people around them or specifically are talking to people who have already passed on um and so i'm trying to think if swedenborg says anything sort of technical but it certainly just seems yeah. like yep there's that we are we are met i don't know if he says in the same place like the why and that it happens but i feel like in heaven and hell he must just like he just says like we are greeted by our loved ones when we wake up in the spiritual world yeah yeah yep. big yes on my end i mean everything i read suggested that's totally the case yes yeah. and and yeah he said he describes reunions all the time i've seen many people who are overjoyed to have arrived and friends overjoyed how those friends know how are their yeah. friends yeah. there thought brings presence yes thought brings presence which means if you're thinking about them uh they'll they they'll know up. you're there i yeah. i would say that's that's going to be locked down okay thanks so much daffodil next one this is from laura domek nice. Does becoming oh. does becoming an angel run in families? <laughs> Such a great question. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good one to take into your next Thanksgiving dinner. Mm. <laughs> it's all your fault. Mm. I won't become an angel. Well, so, we have a short clip called "Spiritual Heredity" that I was just watching today, actually, for some oh, nice. show research. But that it does go into a number that Swedenborg talks about about just that whole dynamic that like what we do does. What other people, the generations before us, and then what we choose to do does have impact going down. Some sort of spiritual genetics is happening, um, both in terms of the baggage we give our children, mm. inevitably, um, in terms of evil tendencies, the worsened if we delighted in it and you know did it from our own motivation, or then on the plus side, if we're doing some of the heavy lifting ourselves to turn ourselves, somehow that does good. But I've wondered about that, because like... I don't know. You have kids young, and it's like it's too late. <laughs> you know? like that, then you start regenerating after there. Yeah. I mean, so maybe there's nature versus nurture. Yeah. I think there definitely is, but that has impact. Jonathan so once, Jonathan Rose, for all of you who who are familiar, uh, once said on this show, <laughs> um, he, he, "There's got to be some kind of um, patch updates or something." Because yeah, you have kids, and then okay, now I figured it out. Yeah. You right. can't just put that on hold. So hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think the kids having kids young is so that they watch you in your process of becoming yeah, better yeah. and exposed yeah. to it that <laughs> way. At least I'm not as bad as. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, yeah, and it makes oh, it's a weird, weird analogy. I don't know if I should say it. <laughs> You're in good company. If you, if somebody donates a hundred dollars. Just that when people know that, like a woman, you know, like the the eggs that a woman gets pregnant with were already in her body when she was conceived in her mom. Like, so yeah. it's, it skips a generation there, you know, in the woman. And, and so, so that seems like, well, I'm, you know, like I'm just the carrier, but this was created in my mom's womb. So, um, so there is some of that, like, so somehow there's a passage, whoops, jumping past generations that are like, I don't know. Somehow that just yeah, makes sense. Wow. Like the, 
I'm, I'm confusing myself, but there's something Plus. going on there. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing to know is that Swedenborg says that we are all predestined. We're all created to become angels. And we can opt out of that program if right. we want to. But um, we were created to become angels. So yeah. that is just another piece to hold while you're considering whether it runs in families. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and oh, it yeah. doesn't seem like you could really, you may not be able to get that much of a head start. Well, he talks about people who have what he calls hereditary good, which is mm-hmm. a tendency to be friendly, right. a yeah. tendency to be nice. But he seems to really poo-poo that, to yeah. say that, that that does not make you go to heaven. What makes you go to heaven is is you know putting aside the things that are harmful in yourself and, and doing good things because of acknowledgement of the divine being and all that. So I wouldn't say that, you know, oh, that, the the McGurdys over there, <laughs> yeah. they, they've got it easy. Everyone's an angel in that way, I think, right? That was sort of the point. Right, yeah. yeah, that work still has to happen. Thanks, Laura. Yeah. Appreciate it. Let's, let's, uh, I was going to say let's get a few more in before the end, but we got it. And then the end is thousands of years away from now. <laughs> long Thank time, you, everyone. Long time. So, so let's take a look at the next question. What is the spiritual purpose of our memories here on earth and beyond? Mm. Yeah, what do they do for us? Um, and so let's, let's talk about how we want to read this question. Um, is what's the spiritual purpose of our memories here on earth, like the memories we accumulate on earth, what's the purpose of them here, and then what's the purpose of those earthly memories in the future, in the next life? Or we could read it as um, what's the purpose of your memory of stuff that's happening on earth while you're on earth and your memory of stuff that's happening in the spiritual world but is that a meaningful distinction i don't know yeah. and if yeah. you want to weigh in jenny about that um but what do you guys think what, why do we memory can be a bit of a liability yeah because when it does work correctly we can often uh, remember disproportionately unpleasant things and mm. so what's it all for and, and you know yeah what's it do i, I remember coming across i was it was fascinating to read that you know swimmer talks about two memories we have like yeah. an internal memory, an oh, external yeah. memory, um, and in in the afterlife, kind of the internal memory, which is a, a recollection of or a recording of everything. It's just like a tape recorder starts on day one and it's you know keeps running through. But those memories are grouped by what he calls your ruling love. They kind of like uh, begin to create structures around those memories based mm. upon what you kind of like the kind of character that you developed over time. Um, and so it sounds like from that spirit, which is, so that is kind of like your spiritual memory in a sense. Um, and that purpose is to really help you, um, with your identity, you know, cause all those memories combine or are mm-hmm. grouped by what you, what you love, like what your, what love drove everything for you or, you know, that was based on your intentions and all that stuff that are hard to figure out yeah. in the natural world, but. Um, it helps to create your identity. Well, that's yeah. cool to think about the function of memory. And I don't know what it means, but Swedenborg talks about in spiritual world, when you think of a person, you call to mind everything in your memory about them. And it's sort mm. of a, a collage. So it, even if you have something that was false about them, it, it matters what you're accumulating there. Mm. So that I have no moral lesson from that. But. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that real that serves a real purpose. I'm just being reminded of an interview we did with your grandma, Donette. Right. Um, all felt about uh, 
the value of her memories of her husband and feeling like that's real currency, you know, like that, that's a real mm -hmm. thing that is maintaining this connection between her and her husband that like that, those are those, mm -hmm. um, the memories I have are this, you know, real connection. And, mm. um, and beyond sort of like the identity, then I think a, another level of that is, um, it, it then, uh, part of the purpose is then in where our ultimate like spiritual home is, you know, like our mm. community, like how heaven is arranged. I think like, obviously it's going to help us know who we are, but then I just think, uh, you know, it will help us fit into wherever, whatever community we are in heaven. Cause he describes, you know, um, spirits living in, you know, he, he called, he, there's like London or something. There's like places that are, that look like the places on earth. And it's because these people have enough, I think, shared memory, you know, they know. And so you just think there are different communities that, that sort of have differences based on the collective memory of that community. It's true. It's not. It's maybe not the weirdest thing we've said tonight, but it's pretty weird the idea that yeah. the collective minds can recreate places on, on yeah, the yeah. life. But it's true. He, say, he says That's it's there. He says. Yeah. And um, one thing, one role that Swedenborg seems to ascribe to memories is that it is the ground. It is the groundwork that needs to be laid for us to be able to understand anything, f function rationally. So everything, all the words I'm saying, I learned at some point. I'm not necessarily recalling them to mind in, in the way I think of remembering things, but somehow I'm remembering what remembering mm -hmm. means when I say remembering. And that all the stuff that we learn on Earth of how the, even things like how the, the, the planets move and how things grow, all of that is sort of these little containers into which we can then learn spiritual things because the language of correspondences is such that it says, okay, well, you know how a plant grows. You've got that in their memory, your memory, right? Well, that's like how you develop spiritually. Yeah, yeah. Without the plant in our memory in a way we can grasp, yeah. if, they, if they just try to say, you send forth things, and those turn into <laughs> yeah. things, and they turn, we would never be able to retain it. But the, the stuff in the earthly memory um, plays that really sa sort of sacred role yeah. there. Um, yeah. That's awesome. And then, and then the other use is to, right, just continue to annoy you when you're trying to move on with your life. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, thanks, Jan. If I didn't already say thank you for the donation. Yeah. Um, and let's take a look at the next one. This is Faye. Faye Davis, does anyone have any advice for what to do when we feel bitter or angry mm -hmm. toward God and mm -hmm. is, is making it near impossible to pray? I, was, I saw that one go by in the chat, and I was hoping that mm -hmm. we, would, nice. we would talk about it because, man, is it tough. Um, because yeah. as we were alluding to earlier, life is difficult and it can be very hard when you're thinking about God having quite a lot of power in life and yet life is as it is. What do you do? But yet we're in this situation where we're saying oh, all the help and, and a lot of times, yeah, who else do you reach out to? So how do you square that? I'd love to hear just from if any of you have been in that situation before. <laughs> what, what's it like? You know, how, how have you navigated it? The first thing that comes to my mind is that God gets it, and maybe you need a break. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's uh, that's a, a, a human a human thing, yeah. and uh, just you just might need a little healing time before you can start to breathe again, or something like that. Yeah, that's like along what I was thinking of. 
uh, in reflection for myself is like understanding that we are always going through spiritual states and there are going to be spiritual states that we pass through. And, and Swedenborg writes how the Lord alone is arranging our states, like taking very careful care and knows that we're going to go through these dark times. Um, the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. And, um, but that, so when we're in one of those states, the, the Lord sort of working behind the scenes knows how to use even that state when we don't feel like, when we do feel bitter toward God and we don't want to pray, that that can actually eventually serve us in the long run. But um, so for us in those moments is, is like to not, um, you know, hate ourselves for it and, and know mm. that this state is going to pass. And so it's just like, I, I kind of feel like whatever I can do to just be present and just be like, this is what is okay, I'm just going to, you know, yeah. ride this out. This that's that's sort of the best right. you can do is just, yeah. like, be present to what it is. Yeah, I love what you said about not letting it compound. Not only are we hurting to the point where we we know we need something, but yet we're ups- and also upset at God and not wanting to reach out for that. You don't want to add to that, am I a bad person for because not, not wanting to reach out to God. Yeah. Swedenborg talks about temptations, or which are also called spiritual trials, which are when life goes wrong, basically, and it shakes us down to a point where we really are, are in a state of distress. And he talks about people, he says, people in those states um, say bitter things against the Lord, but no attention is paid or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, and I'm definitely on that train where I feel like the more, actually, the more that I really believe there is God, the more I come up against this, just the feelings of like everything I've ever been through and my upset at that and things in the past. And so, and, and I, I feel like, okay, that's going to go somewhere. And yeah. at times mm-hmm. I just, I used to be worried about feeling any kind of negativity towards God, like I shouldn't do it. And, and I could probably rein it in a bit, but there's, I, I sort of, if, if, if I were God, I would hopefully see it as like, okay, well, they're really taking this seriously, you know, this, this belief in life. And I, I just think of the, the pat on the back that you are giving me like that's if there's any time when you know i don't want to pray to god angel will you help me out like is is there a person or or even go in it like what do you still find honorable and good and true about life mm-hmm. you know if i if i'm thinking of the idea of a god who runs something and didn't do what they needed to and just this disembodied person in the sky but what 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 is beautiful what what is still still good and 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 love that in the moment and then when we have a chance to back up realize like that that is God, and in, in some way that is God. That it's it's very yeah. difficult. It's not something that I'm past. But these are you're saying what's what's a little bits of advice. These are little tools that just help you get through the, the lean times. And that's, so. Yeah, I think that like that's we think like oh I'm angry or bitter toward this sense of God, and that sort of externalizes God. But to think of even God as just love itself, you know, and just this constant loving. Mm supportive presence that like understands us like sometimes when you try on that perspective on yourself like not only when you're in one of those hard low states you know the influence of evil spirits is wanting you to to um you know get down on yourself more about it you know and and so it can be so hard to resist uh against that sense to just like ride that wave real far down but like to even have the i mean first you just have to pray (laughs) pray but like (laughs) That state, I think it really helps to pray to know, like, knowing ahead of time, like, I'm going to get in a negative state at some point, and I just hope for that moment to have that, like, a moment of reflection to, to think about, like, 
a little bit separate from yeah. the state. And mm -hmm. then, but you have to let go of the outcome because you're really not in control. Like for you to have even the thought of maybe I could do something differently in this moment. That's like a gift from heaven, you know, mm -hmm. to even have that sort of a reflection. And, um, but if you are in that state, I feel like it's um, to play with the idea of how could I be the most loving to myself right now? You know, how can I show up for myself in a way that is um, like if the most understanding, loving friend I could imagine was right here next to me, you know, or if somebody else was in this state, how would I treat them and know that that's like the best way to to like uh, support yourself through it, you know? And so it might be, oh, you just need to go lie down, you know, or you need to whatever it is. But there's like to try to think what would be the most loving way that I could mm -hmm. show up for myself in this moment. And it's amazing how hard it is to even allow for that to be a possibility. You know, we want to resist mm -hmm. that so hard because um, it feels like, well, I should be doing this or I should this, da, 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 you know, yeah. but to, to just like let go more. I think of um, intense times in physical states, like when people are drowning, you know, like struggling makes it worse. Mm -hmm. And the more like the release is when you can mm -hmm. like float in the water. I feel like I've heard stories from people who have been through that. And, and then I also think of like, if you, there is something true of like when you're being brought through something really intense, like a strong current, you've just got to hold on to one thing and ride it through. So like mm -hmm. finding, you know, like one thing to sort of hold mm -hmm. on to and just kind of ride that through. Yeah. Some Great. Thank you. I just saw going by too. Oh, sorry. Were you going to say something? Go ahead. <clears throat> um, Faye saying that she's really in the Valley right now and she feels a kind of spiritual immaturity. And, um, mm. I just want to say, Faye, um, you know, so I don't know how familiar with Swedenborg you are. It, it, at the end of his opus mm. of writing in True Christianity, he talks a lot about repentance and reformation and, and like the responsibilities that we, that we have on our own spiritual growth. But in the early Arcana, it's very, in, which is the first book he published, it's very much about how the Lord is absolutely in charge of your spiritual growth. Yeah. And he's got it. He's got it. He's got you in his hands. And so if you're spiritually immature, you're in the perfect place for you right now. Yep. <laughs> and, and the Lord is just leading you along on your own unique path and toward your best possible eternal goodness. It is so hard to trust in that, but that's what Swedenborg says. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. And, and what what is, seems to be confirmed by people who experience this all over the world, and it's just when, the more you sit with it, it's like now this is the uh, this is the way that that it's good and true. So, <clears throat> do you guys feel that energy? Because we are in the bonus zone. <laughs> like we we've crossed over into because of hey thanks Julian one for subscribing really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. We are the the that talking we just did to, to Faye here and hopefully you enjoyed it was made possible by those of you who donated and this is just a little microcosm to use that word this is my second time I can use it this show <laughs> of what what the whole thing is that all this programming is made possible because all of you have supported us so generously in the past so this extra this extra programming because of support tonight is just a little picture of how you all make this possible for everyone. Nice. And yeah. so let's not spend the whole time talking about support. Let's do the next question. <laughs> what's the next question? <laughs> Carrie Parsons, what's the Swedenborgian take on competitiveness? Who is going to answer this best? Go. 
Chris? <laughs> Not Chris. No, if we're talking about competitiveness, it's okay, got to okay. start with Chris. Oh, well, I'm going to win this one. I tell you. <laughs> hmm. Competitiveness. So, yeah. They play games. In, in, the, in there's, there's competition yeah. in, in heaven or in the spiritual world. That's there's certainly an account of that. Yeah. So what is? Let's talk about what competitiveness is. Oh, yeah. And, and and like anything, it is depending on the spirit behind it. So I know that Swedenborg talks about, it and it's probably in jest. Um, angels so enjoying to take somebody it's either like guard, guard somebody while they're asleep i think it is and they they so love it that they vie with each other to be the one you think yeah. about um c- competition in order to find out who's most apt at a task right that could be uh, there could be some kind of heavenly instinct in that if we really say all right yeah. we're going to all go out here and find out who's the best at this by this this team and Sweetmore talks about groups of angels. That's that yeah. you know each group will in the wisdom games will go out and try to say an answer to something, and the one who answers it the best does get something. But the difference is in he- in in hell, it's like well, this the people who win feel superior, the people who lose feel inferior, and the headline story is group A was smarter than everyone. Yeah. <laughs> in heaven. Um, the people in the other groups are glad for the wisdom. The people in the group who won know it just comes right, from everybody God. Everybody benefits. And yeah. the headline is, now we have this great answer that we can apply to serve the human race. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you know, mm-hmm. it's what, depending on, people probably mean different things by that word, but there's aspects of it that could be heavenly and certainly aspects of it that are hellish because it's based on this illusion that, you know, I can be better than anybody. It's, it's providence and everything we've been talking about. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Swedenborg definitely is like, uh, he'll often, and I don't know, I guess maybe if it was sort of going against sort of the times the, of, um, you know, the whole idea of like, oh, if you're going to be holy, you have to sell everything and go live in a cave and be by yourself. He's like, no, 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 live in the world, you know, do your thing. Um, that's how you grow spiritually because of what you're saying, that like the inner motivation is um, is what really matters there. And so then, then he makes the same point about wealth, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. I should not have any money but he's like no you can be good you can be a good steward of wealth and use it to benefit people and so it's good you know go try to raise a bunch of money and do all do good things with it um and so i think that kind of falls into the same category of competitiveness where right he does sort of uh you know of all the things he experienced he does write these um uh memorable relations as he calls them of his experiences of people looking like they're just competing with each other, you know, but it's for good, like you're yeah. describing. So, yeah. I think you can get glimpse of, glimpses of that here, too. I mean, if you play sports, you might notice times in which, uh, if you're saying, I've played a lot of baseball, and, you know, if the conditions are right where the kind of like the spirit of competitiveness is based on, like a, like your team learning about fairness and respect and, you know, whether you win or lose, always – like uh, treating your enemy or your uh, opponents as uh, mutual neighbors. You know, there's like rituals that you would do after games to like make sure that you look at them in the eyes and shake their hands and wish them well. Or is that your competitiveness based on domination and making sure that your reputation is seen as top level? I think it really comes down to like what's driving the reason for why you're doing it. Mm Think about off the left eye. Like we are, you might think of this as non-competitive, but we are a competing ideology. 
that we put mm -hmm. out in, into the world. And we'll often directly take on what we, we feel like is uh, a selfish or harmful way to act. And we'll say, look at these ideas instead. And we put a lot of effort right. in it. Look at these ideas. And hopefully what we're doing there is where we're trying to make it in the spirit of heavenly competitiveness because not, not because the, the more that we succeed, the better it is for us, but the more the ideas get out there, we genuinely believe this is going to do what's good for the human race. So why wouldn't we go as hard as we possibly can to put these into the the right format and, and get the right stuff behind them? So yeah, yeah. There's something about contrast in a competition. You're, there's a contrast between you know mm -hmm. those are ahead and those are behind, um, and contrast can be extremely useful, like you just said. There's a passage in Swedenborg that talks about. Um, that in heaven children learn like they ha they are shown little hints of evil so that they can see the contrast the opposite of it is good and i don't know why this is coming to mind that's yeah, just coming yeah, to mind yeah, when right. i'm talking about competitiveness just see contrast learn, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. and and it helps it, it can help pull you forward again Mm -hmm. That's great. And we, talk, we talked about sort of the dual, how Swedenborg always has a foot in both camps. And we've talked here about some, there's, there can be heavenly aspects to competitiveness. On the flip side, heaven is a million percent cooperative. Mm -hmm. like, there's no competition between different parts of the human body for right. resources or anything. This is yeah. absolutely what's best for everyone. And actually, I think we're going to reference this in an upcoming show. Swedenborg talks about societies of friendship where the problem with a group of people is they're all very nice to each other, but they hold in their heart, like, we're the best people. The, the people outside our community really don't have it going on like we do. And that that actually is so toxic that it makes it hard for them to participate in heaven. Because mm -hmm. heaven is actually, even if you're really good at something, you want somebody, the, the next person's happiness more than you even want your own, which mm -hmm. is anti the absolute <laughs> anti-competitiveness. Right. Right. So right. Uh, it could good be, point. it's almost like the, the wisdom could be competitive. You know, like we're, we're trying to get the best thing done, but the motive is is beyond cooperative. Mm. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Not okay. at all resistant. Yeah, let's, says. let's mm. just uh, do one yes. more. The people, the people have uh, have spoken. Let's get a quick one in there before uh, we're hitting our uh, fifteen minute extra. So this is Charlie V. Lakers for life. Is it true that if you commit mm. suicide, the mere event repeats itself eternally? That you never rest? Wow. So that would be really unfortunate right that not especially since so many people that commit suicide are not in a fit mental state a lot of them are young a lot of them are devastated by various things so that would seem very cruel mm -hmm. and so yeah. Yeah. do we have does it happen does Swedenborg say anything about that well it's certainly something we see a lot in the comments section I mean you know there I've been moderating YouTube for maybe three or four years and you know it, this question comes up and there's a whole lot of pain and ang angst about how, how I think other groups have held this kind of question and uh, used that to judge others um, but the reality is uh, no single act is going to give you some kind of like eternity from it yeah. um, and you know the decision it's 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 an incredibly painful one for everyone involved um, but the pain that drives that decision is something that I think someone's going to have to uh, confront in the afterlife. And there are there are remarkable systems in place for someone to be guided through that um, in a loving presence with mm -hmm. angels, with the Lord guiding the entire thing. So I think it's um, you face it. You can't you can't escape that kind of pain, but um, it, you're not 
damned eternally for it. Yeah. Yeah, and what what would that teach? That no, nothing harmful can happen unless some good is brought out of it. For something to repeat and repeat and repeat without hope for learning or something, it's the antithesis of, of how God runs the universe. Yeah. Yep. Any any other thoughts? Okay, uh, the one the, so Swedenborg, yeah, having a foot in in both camps again. He does talk about he very very rarely mentions suicide. Mm-hmm. Definitely says that a single act cannot define who you are. It cannot. De- it doesn't matter. Suicide, even murder, it, it all depends on what your intent was and and what your lifetime of intent mm-hmm. has been. So there's no way that that what, something like a suicide can decide your eternal fate. Um, and, and you get cleared up for it. He talks about evil spirits driving people to commit suicide. So the origin of it wasn't even them. On the other hand, he talks about somebody in the afterlife who, who is having trouble getting a knife out of their hand. Mm-hmm. This is someone who had killed himself. And, but mm-hmm. it does, it's not forever. And I will say that, yeah, I've known people who have committed suicide. And it does so much damage to, mm-hmm. to so many people. And you wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't be necessarily good for them to just never understand what it was or, or, or sort through it. So it's, it's a little bit of both, but definitely not what, what Charlie's worrying about there. That, yeah, that it's yeah, repeating for eternity. That. That's not for any good. And, and that, that's not what God is. That's not what it's about. Okay, cool. Everybody. Thank you so much. That was awesome. You did it. We did wow. our extra bonus. Total raised. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, 182 from eight donors. Thank you so Aww, much. Thank you. We appreciate it. And, and uh, we're going to put that right into trying to reach the next person with everything and to prove it here's here's some of what's coming up uh, in the next week we have uh next we're gonna do our news from heavens which is our show where we go through a particular passage in swedenborg's writings and let me just get this thing here <laughs> can you guys cover for me for a second are you wondering what's next week okay here we go so because uh, I have a little um, a little thing that was going to show me, but it froze, so I fixed it. So <laughs> Thursday, the persistence of evil spirits in bringing uh-huh. evil on people. That's n- news from heaven on Thursday. And Saturday, how not to kill, parentheses, don't be like the devil. So this is how the devil kills, and we don't want to kill in that same way. Then we have our short clips, which are coming uh, up Wednesday. We have a short clip about the idea that perfection stems from variety and how that works. And then on Friday, does the Bible say that there are three gods or one God? And we mm-hmm. talked about Holy Spirit today. Uh, you know, can, can we square what Swedenborg says with Bible? Then next Monday, we are going to be uh, continuing our Swedenborg in Life series with uh, Will Life Be Different When You Die? Which you can kind of see that behind Clara and Chris's heads there. There it is. <laughs> so this, this, again, this may be the very one Chelsea and I were referencing earlier. Mm-hmm. And then the following Monday, we'll be going at Swedenborg and Life Live, um, talking about the difference between grace and, it says mercy behind Chris's shoulder there. Yeah, so that, oh, that yeah. is nice, the upcoming nice. slate. Thank you for your support. It's making it possible. And thank you to the panel. Yes. Woo! Really enjoyed getting to talk with you. Thanks to the audience. It was great having you down here. And we'll see you again next time. We'll see you in all those other shows. And we'll see you all the time. Sorry, we're going to be here no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Bye.